Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235 and let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yes, I would. I would encourage you not to call the guest line. However, <laughs> however, you, yes. If you have a question, you can go to the website allaboutwinebtr.com and click on the chat now. I think it is. I forgot what the button said. But anyway, there's a chat button on there. Yeah. It's in like two, two or three different places. Click on that, and then I'll chat with you and find out what you want to what you want to ask or talk about or what. So go. You know, I'm I'm on this. Uh, well, I'm on the studio page. Oh. Okay, that's why I can't find it. I, I'm looking for it, and I can't find it. in the studio page. Um, yeah. So you know, get in touch with yeah. us that way. Instead of having people call in, we are trying a new format here. So uh, click on that. Michael say, yeah. hey, what's up? What what are you going to talk about? And we'll get you on. So. And you can type it, and, and it's a lot easier that way. So there you go. Yeah, it is. It is a lot easier that way. And, you know, if you want to talk about wine, we'll talk about wine. Um, Happy New Year, everyone. You know, I'm glad you joined us. Hope everyone was safe. There was no incidents or issues uh, in driving or otherwise during the past holiday week. So, And uh, Mike and I were just talking. We both had a good New Year. And ready for 2019 it was it was such a good year to, uh, to start off that i actually started a new file to take my notes in <laughs> all right oh boy yeah. one, i don't know if the other one just ran out i don't know how big the other file is but um keeping notes since i don't know when that started was it 2013 or 12 or something like that uh, somewhere around there 20. yeah Easter. yeah so. so yeah that's you know five six years you've been taking notes and yeah. So it's, it's about time. Oh, more than that, seven years, eight years. So it's about time you filled the phone, moved on to a new yeah. page. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. I would hate to have to print that out for some reason. Just, you know. Oh, really? Pages yeah. Terrible. Terrible yeah that's stuff. why they created the cloud, just for your notes. Yeah. That's true. So. It's <laughs> just <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, it was. Well, you, uh, 2013. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> welcome to the so show. So we, uh, you know, welcome to the show. We're 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 back, uh, and uh, thanks for listening. I was looking at the uh, stats on there. We're still getting, you know, three four hundred people consistently every week tuning in, uh, mostly by archives, which is cool. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, that's a good way good way to listen. I mean, we've had we have listeners out there listen to us while they're 
they're driving, they're on the road, uh, OTR, over-the-road drivers, and uh, mm-hmm. they listen to us while they're driving. And we have others that listen to us while they're out jogging. And we have some listen to us while they're working out. And we have some that listen to us just, you know, in the evening and or in the morning while they're getting ready. So all sorts of stuff out there. We appreciate that and hope we keep you entertained while we're doing it and hope you might learn a little bit something while you're doing it too. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you are drinking an Italian wine tonight? Yeah. My engineer uh, gave me the wine, but she didn't give me the bottle, so I couldn't. I'll have her bring it to me. Bring me the bottle so I can I'm telling what it is. Mike just brought this back up, and I just got it on the bottle. Yes, yeah, we picked this yeah, we name. picked this up a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, I, in fact, in fact, let me click on something here and look up grapes. I have this site that lets me, it's wine grape site, and it lets me look up the name of just about any wine grape that there's out there, and it's a pretty good list of wine grapes and it's pretty up to date and I need to do is find it and I know I've got it because I was just going through my files here the other day looking at stuff and uh, uh, let's see but uh, bookmarks here we go and so this uh, we we picked this up while we were while we were out, uh, we always did our our Christmas wine shopping, pick up quite a few wines. Where is this? Not there. Maybe it's under here. Um, oh, there we go. Wine grape varieties. This is from Italy, uh, from Sic- uh, Sicily, actually, a wine from Sicily. And this is Nero Diavola. And I believe that's the name of the grape. It's from Villa Pozzi. Pozzi. P-O-Z-Z-I. I I guess that's Pozzi. And uh, let's see. Nero. N-E-R-O. N-E-R-O. Nero Diavola. There we go. There's the grape. Nero Diavola. Also known as Calabrese is the most important and widely planted red grape wine uh red wine grape in Sicily. Well there you go. Uh vast volumes of Nero Avola and Avola are produced on the island every year and have been for centuries. It's a dark skinned grape and a great historical importance to Sicily and it takes its present day name from the town of Avola on the island's sub, uh, southeast coast. The area was a hotbed of trade and population movement during the Middle Ages. And Nera Avola was frequently used to add color and body to lesser wines in mainland Italy. Translated, Nera Avola means black of Avola, a reference to the grape's distinct dark coloring, but its exact origins are the subject of debate. The region of the Calabria can lay claim to the variety of via its synonym, Calabrese, meaning of Calabria, though this term may be a derivation of Calarusi, an ancient name for someone from Avola, 
<laughs> so, therefore, you really don't know. Well, that's interesting. For the most of the 20th century, Nero Avola was used as a blending grape, but the name very rarely appeared on wine labels. By the turn of the 21st century, however, the grape's fortunes have changed considerably, and it is now common to find Nero Avola produced as a varietal wine as well. It's often compared to a Syrah because it looks similar growing, it likes similar growing conditions. Sicily it has a hot Mediterranean climate and exhibits many similar characteristics. Depending on production methods, Nero Vola can be made into dense and dark wine uh, that is stored in oak barrels and used for aging or young and fresh. Younger wines show plum and juicy red fruit flavors, while more complex examples offer chocolate and dark raspberry. Typically, it has high tannins, medium acid, and a strong body. However, it can smooth out as it grows at higher elevations. It thrives on the eastern part of Sicily and is being trailed, uh, trialed, not trailed, trialed in Australia and California. And because of its generous color, it's made into a rosé at times. So there you go. That's it's. Uh, we picked it up because I told engineer when we were out shopping for wines. I said, you know, I'm always talking about giving other wines a chance and other types of wines a chance. And I said, so let's let's try this. This, you know, never heard of this. Let's try. So there, there you go. That's what it is. Um, Villa Posey in the little chart here shows that 98% of the Nero Vola grows in Italy. Two percent in Australia, and that's about it. There's not enough to even mention anywhere else. So uh, that's what we've, we've got for you tonight. Uh, Villa Posey is the name of the town. I'm trying to see if it's listed on here. They always list all the wine names and the places that they are done. And I'm not going to go through them because there's 20 pages. Oh, actually, there's more than 20 pages, so I'm not going to throw them. So there's a lot of them that are made, I guess. They're, none of them are real expensive. I, these are, you know, in the teens and 20s. There's a couple in here that's more expensive. Uh, here's one that's 57. But, uh, yeah, a little bit too much to pay for. Although, I haven't tasted it yet. That might be a good idea to give it a taste and see what it I looked, like. I looked this up. Uh, as while you were talking, I found a reference to it on uh, Best of Sicily uh, Sicilian Wines, and mm-hmm. they they said to avoid an over overpowering taste, uh, the flavor of this wine is best when the grapes are placed in cooled vats at harvest, preferably at night, huh. to uh, prevent to prevent conditions which can lead to premature fermentation. Wow. Okay. Um, this uh, technique, however, is employed by very few wineries, and they list a couple that kind of stand out. But uh, I was like, preferably at night to 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 do that part of the process. It, it's okay. cut back on <laughs> on the harshness, the acid stuff. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh. It's got a nice aroma to it, this 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 one. It's uh, I I don't know because of the part of the suggestion where they said something like a Syrah, but I I do 
get hints of that type of that type of aroma to it, uh, Syrah type yeah. aroma, but not really. It's the color is a little lighter, something like a Syrah color, um, but it could be just the style. I mean, when I have over 20 pages of this particular wine here, it could be this style that's using it. It says uh, also has the name of it, and it says also called uh, Calabrese. Calabrese. C A L A. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> yeah, Calabrese. That's you know, yeah, that could Can't be from the Calabrese. Well, Calabrese town. You know, Calabrese, the region of Calabria, uh, can lay claim to it because Calabrese means of Calabria. But also, oh, okay. uh, Calabri- uh, uh, Calabria uh, may be a, a derivation of Calarusi, which is an ancient name for Ebola, which is Nero the Ebola. So, yeah, oh, okay. uh, they don't know. It's it's from that area there. But uh, it's, it's, it's nice. I just didn't... Definitely a little bit of the the plumminess to it that they mentioned. I'm picking up a little bit of chocolatey to it too. A um, little acidic, but a nice balance of acid. Not as much tannins as I expected. I expect a little bit more tannin out of it from the way they were talking. It says it typically has high tannins, but uh, I, I'm not getting a tannin. But again, it could be just a stall of this particular bottle here. And uh, but it's nice. It's it really is a very pleasant wine. Uh, pour myself enough here because the engineer's going to come take my bottle away from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't let me drink too much during the show. So, uh, let me read the back of this. What this says on the back, and it does say stuff on the back here. Wow, that's unusual. Because that's one of the things we're going to talk about tonight for a little bit maybe if we have time is uh, how much needs to be put on a wine label uh, product is produced and bottled by Canton Francisco Menini uh, of Italy 13.5% volume, uh, alcohol by volume when you open a bottle of Villa Posi it's like taking a trip to a warm cozy Italian villa nestled in a small Sicilian town far, far away from the busy every day. It's a leisurely escape from the world outside and a journey of taste that makes any day feel special. With Villa Posi, you're always just a sip away from Sicily. Seductively reveals a perfume of blackberry liquor, white flowers, vanilla, and a hint of figs. I'm getting more plum, and I'm not getting a whole lot of blackberry. Um, a little bit of chocolate more shows than vanilla, but that's what it says on this. I guess you know, when you mash this up, this would be good with uh, uh, chicken uh, barbecue. You might work with this as long as you're not seasoning the barbecue a lot. And uh, I'll suggest here also a charcoal grilled rump steak, which I think that might overpower the wine a little bit, but uh, on this particular wine, but then again, different styles. But uh, interesting, interesting wine and uh, interesting grape. Uh, 
dark purple grape, and 98% of it grown in Italy. Well, Sicily, actually, not just Italy, but more specifically Sicily. So, uh, speaking of matching it and food, let's let you know what's coming up this week. Did y'all enjoy Bacon Sunday? Sunday was National Bacon Day, you know. Our, it was our, yeah, National Bacon Day was Sunday. And uh, I'm sad to report that I did not have bacon on Sunday. Uh, in fact, we don't even have bacon in the house. The engineer refuses to buy it. She says it's bad for me. So takes care of that. All right. Uh, today is National Chocolate Covered Cherry Day. hope you had some. Enjoy some nice red wine with it. Tomorrow, National Spaghetti Day. Here, and I've got a wine that I should have saved for tomorrow for National Spaghetti Day. Nero Diavella. Saturday, National Whipped Cream Day. You can throw that on top of just about anything. Enjoy it with wine. National Whipped Cream Day. Sunday, Epiphany's coming up. That's when they die for the cross at Tarpon Springs here in Florida. Big, big deal. Uh, from, uh, you know, one of the big events in the country for an Epiphany cross. They dive into the into the bayou at Tarpon Springs. It's also National Shortbread Day and National Bean Day. Doesn't say what type of bean, just a bean. Monday, Orthodox Christmas Day and National Tempura Day. I'm sorry, what? Tempura? T-E-M-P-U-R-A. Not an O on you, tempura. Okay. Uh, National English Toffee Day coming up on Tuesday. Wednesday, National Apricot Day. Uh, get an apricot pie and enjoy a Moscato with it. And then next Thursday, before the show, enjoy yourself some National Bittersweet Chocolate Day. Now, there's the day that you should have your red wine. Some bittersweet chocolate, nice red wine. What a great combination. So that's what's coming up this next week. Pair it up with anything that you can find to go with those and give me an excuse to have wine and food. All right. Now, before I forget, a couple of wineries have things coming up. Let me... Go to those and tell you Tassel Ridge Winery. They're located in Iowa. I've mentioned Tassel Ridge quite a few times. If you're just listening for the first time, they're located in Lighton, Iowa. Uh, their uh, website is tasselridge.com, I believe. Yeah. No, yeah, tasselridge.com. I was correct. And uh, they have Wine of the Week, Iowa in the Dark, a light red wine with strawberry notes and strawberry flavors. That's what they're celebrating this week. They have uh, their gift shop open. Uh, They're going to run out of some wine soon here. So if you're a fan of some of these, the 2018 Iowa Nouveau, they're down 2018 cases left. And then their Crasberry wine, only down to 36 cases. So... If you're interested in any of those, you can get a hold of it. And they're doing their bistro lunch every day, Monday through Friday. And then coming up uh, on weekends, they do their wine-fired, wine and wood-fried oven pizza day. So those are things to look forward to. But that's at Castle Ridge Winery. 
And as always, too, Whispering Oaks has things going on. Uh, they have uh, steak night this weekend, live music, both Friday and Saturday nights, which is uh, the Muds, which is a jazz and blues band. They also have steak night is Friday and Saturday nights, 16-ounce best steak house award-winning steak or 12-ounce wild-caught Alaskan salmon. Uh, Idaho potato, green beans, baked beans, salad bar, and bread. Twenty-seven fifty per person. Tax and gratuity not included. Suggest our reservation is suggested. You can get a hold of them at winesofflorida.com. Steak slash night. If you want to make reservations, they're located in Oxford, California. California. There. Every time I say Oxford. I say California because there's a town in California that's Oxford. Oxford, Florida, uh, north of Tampa. So that's coming up this coming weekend. It's Friday and Saturday nights. So uh, let's see. Do I have any other? I don't know. Let me check and see here. I thought. No, I don't. Okay, very good. Uh is there one here? No, there's not one there either. I'm trying to check all my all my spaces and be sure I have everything. All right. Okay, let's see. Where am I? Let's go back here into this page here and look at this thing here. And a couple quick things on this. We're going to talk about AVA, American Viticulture is, but it's a couple of things I want to tell you first before we go into the AVAs. And uh, that's uh, got some papers all over everything here, so let me get back to where I was supposed to be. Okay, first thing I want to talk about is interested in growing grapes, interested in being a grape grower. Well, if you are, then Virginia wants you. Virginia needs you. Virginia desires your skills or your time or whatever. They are hurting for grapes in Virginia. A lot of wineries there, it's exploded. Um, the workshop is being held in Danville, and uh, the uh, it will... Uh, Oops. Uh, it is put on by a Brian Bell, who is a home brewer and a home winemaker. He teaches you how to grow grapes in Virginia. They need them. Any grape you grow, anything you grow in Virginia, there will be people there to buy your grapes. So uh, just want to let you know, if you're looking at starting out the new year, doing something different than growing grapes in Virginia might be what you're looking for. That is uh, actually any state, but Virginia is really starting to publicize it. Is less really more on wine labels? That's a good question. I saw this and I thought, you know, this is an interesting point. How much information do we need on wine labels? Uh, uh, Is it too complicated? Is it not complicated enough? Do we need more information? Do we need less information? Are we happy with what we've got? What what are we doing? Now, New World wine labels are becoming more European. Uh, most people are saying there's more single vineyards and name carriers and increasingly added information on wine labels. 
but is it good? Do people read it? I asked my engineer, I said, is less more and more less? And she says, nobody reads it. They just pick up the bottle. And, I, you know, I think that's true. I think that's so true because people don't read the wine labels. They know what they want. They go and they grab it. And that's why a big clearing label there is so important to wineries because it catches a person's eye and they say, well, I'll try this this time just because of what the the label looks like, no more than the fact that it's anything other than that. So what's better? Now, I just read you that label from the bottle that had that information on there. It told, you know, your basic information. It was the front label was rather subdued. The back label had that on there. And you find that in most wine bottles. But there are a lot of other wine bottles that go on and on with a lot of information. And they even talk continuously about having more on there. Having, oh, I've mentioned in the past different things of, you know, how much is this bottle... uh, how much chemicals is added and what is the chemical components of it and how much is, uh, how long has it been in barrels and what type of barrels are you using and just on and on, just a lot of stuff. That's why a lot of wine labels have their little uh, code, their little um, box with, uh, what's the little, uh, I can't think of the name of the little box. Not, not uh, but you know you can scan that. Pr something. Huh? What's that? Pr something. Yeah, the yeah quick read QR QR code. Yeah, the QR code, the quick read code, and you can just scan it with your phone, and it gives you a whole bunch of information. And instead of having all this on the wine label, you've got this on a site, which might be better. I I would prefer that if I want to find out more stuff. I would prefer that than cluttering a wine bottle. But then again, on New Year's Eve, we had a bottle of Prosecco. Voga is the name of it. Now, it's just a 750 bottle. You look at the bottle. uh, On the bottle itself, it has Voga, the actual name of the wine, embossed or, or on raised letters on the bottle. And then the front label itself is a gold label with darker gold sideways. It says Voga, V-O-G-A. Underneath the A, it has Italia, and then next to that, Prosecco. And that's it. That's the label. There's nothing more on it. You turn over on the back and you see a barcode. But if you look closely, it's a very clear one of these clear labels that you can barely see that has more information on it. But all it does is just your basic information. Prosecco, uh, Denomina Zone de Origin, Control Octa, Extra Dry, Italian Sparkling White Wine, 2012, Produced by VS3 in Congoliano, Italy, who was imported by a product of Italy, served chilled, 11% alcohol by volume, 750 mil, and then the government warning. And that's it. I mean, just your very, very basic information on the back. That's that's all. And 
barely anything on the front as far as the label goes. Minimal. Is that better? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is that better? Yeah, maybe. Uh, if you know what you're looking for. And the reason we picked up that ticker bottle is because I think it was we tasted it. And that was the main reason we picked that up. I don't know if we would have if they weren't there offering taste of it. Because it really doesn't say anything to us. Yeah, that, yeah, ABC wine cell, uh, wine stores, uh, ABC tasting, and we taste it, and it's very good. And we picked up a bottle of it, but would we have otherwise done it? I doubt it. I doubt seriously. And so, if it had a little bit more information on it, if it had something we can see, we very possibly would have been more inclined to buy it. So, what's better? You like a lot of information on your labels. You like a little bit of information on your labels. Do you really care one way or the other how much information is on it? I personally prefer a QR code. If they have a QR code on there that I can just scan and read the information, it's great for me. I, when I shop for wine, I spend a little bit more time on wines and I look at stuff and I don't just <coughs> excuse me. Again. I don't just walk in. And, and grab a wine and walk out. I, I read them, I look at them, and I spend more time. So the QR codes is going to give me more of a chance to spend more time with it. And also have, I don't know, three apps on my phone that I can look up wines and stuff too. So I get a, a more of a shopper of wine than just a browser and pick it up. So I, I know what I'm looking for. But the normal person, I don't think really gives that much effort into it. It really cares that much how much information is on there. If well, Every once in a while we'll see where they ask people, should we put in what's in a bottle of wine? People go, yeah, that's a good idea. We need to know what we're drinking. Well, there's lots of chemicals in a bottle of wine. And if you start listing everything, you're going to have a fold-out label, which would be cost prohibitive for printing and everything else. And I guarantee you the wine you're not going to pay for it, you are. So let's keep it, as far as I'm concerned, to the point where you can catch your eye, where it's a pretty label, where you've got what you want on it. But if you want a whole lot of other information, pop some QR codes on there. Let us look it up ourselves. Or give us a good website so we can go to the website and check out the wines. And even the winery that way, I would rather do it that way then I would fill up that bottle with all sorts of information. So, And like I said, the reason I, that caught my eye tonight is because of our Prosecco that we had New Year's Eve was just uh, so minimal on, on the label. It, it just it surprised me. Uh, let's see. Let's see where I'm at on Okay. Uh, can California wine stay in business? The wineries. All of them? Most of them? Some of them? 
31 increase in the number of California wineries in the past two years. Uh, wineries of all sizes. Uh, they need new owners. A lot of them are selling. They need new owners. Uh, they're competing for the customer dollars. There's wineries everywhere in California. If you've never been to California, go to Napa at least once. Everybody's got to go to Napa. But from there, you can go to Paso Ropos, you can go to Mendocino, you can go to Sonoma, you can go to the foothills, you can go to Central Valley, you can go to Temecula, you can go down around San Diego, around L.A. There's all sorts of wineries in California. Uh, is They say it's uh, hard to fight the competition. You go to a shelf and the small wineries don't have the clout to be up on the shelves that the large wineries do. Um, they, uh, they say brand proliferation uh, is a drag on revenue and profitability. 58% of the large wineries and 40% of the small wineries say that. Uh, wineries not only compete among themselves, but large retailers like Costco, Walmart, and all these are coming out with private labels. And they're coming out with a decent wine with a cheaper price. And that's something that is competing against the wineries. The 34% of the respondents said private labels had a negative impact on... Uh, well, come on. I hate it when it does that. It gives me no thanks. I don't want that. Gave me... Uh, 34% of the respondents said private labels had negative impact on their brands. It's out there. It's all over the place. And when you walk into a store and you find something like Aldi's or, or any of the others, like in, you know, Walmart, that is offering their own private brand, California Cabernet Sauvignon for only you know six ninety five or seven ninety five or something like that, people go, oh wow, this is great! I'm getting a California Cabernet for seven ninety five, and it's affecting all the others. Uh, the uh, the increase in in twenty eleven there was three thousand five hundred forty bonded wineries in California. As of well, the middle of this past year. There are now, they don't have any latest numbers than that. Well, as of, well, let's see, it's October. As of October, there are now 4,653 bonded wineries in California. That's a lot of competition. No matter how you look at it, that's a lot of competition. It's, and it's, it's crazy. It, it actually is crazy. People, shop by what they like and what they know and all the little small ones unless you go visit the wineries you don't know what they're like or what they're what the wines are like or unless they taste them or something so it's i don't have an answer to it i just i was looking at this and it's just a lot of wineries a lot of wineries in california and with that many in california they're growing up everywhere too just in this area florida state winery is no longer in, in existence that's one that's closed but in this area, in the Tampa Bay area, I think there's like 10 wineries uh, just in this area alone. That's, that's quite a few. You've got a lot of wineries around. Um, the, you know, wineries are saying cons consumer relationships are important. That's why shipping is so important. That's why they're trying to do what they can to get shipping into uh, all over the country and stuff. So, um, it's 
an issue uh, with an increase in number of wineries popping up everywhere. And speaking of what's popping up in the competition, I just read something, and I, I don't have a quote on it for you, but they said that the number of craft breweries has slowed down its pace. 2018 saw the number of craft breweries. It was going, it was doubling like every every year there for a couple, three years. 2018 saw a significant slowdown in craft breweries. So maybe something needs to slow down in wineries. I mean, when they, every state in the nation pretty much needs people to grow grapes so they can get enough to furnish their wineries, maybe then there is way too many of them out there. I, I don't know. Uh, let's see. We know that. We know that. Is. And let's see. Where is it? Uh, good news about wineries is this is. Oh, yes. Here it is. Wine fend off bacteria. You say what? Yeah, yeah. This is this is a good thing here. Uh, this wine fend off bacteria, uh, certain bacteria. Experts say yes. The wine is good for you, good for cardiovascular health and all sorts of other stuff. But you know, there's in there. Well, recent published reports from the ACS Journal of Agricultural and Food Chemistry say that the many polyphenols in wine do, in fact, reduce the amount of bacteria and free radicals in your mouth, intestinal tract, and colon. So, hey, big thumbs up there. Polyphenols are antioxidants found in many natural food items like fruit and herbs such as turmeric and uh, curcumin. Is that right, curcumin? They exposed three sets of cells that serve as an analog for gum tissue, and they found that two polyphenols in particular uh, had the most positive effect, and these are found in wine. So uh, bacteria that attack the teeth and gums by adhering to the surface, uh, the adherence is lessened and sometimes stopped by the digestive enzymes in wine. So that little red teeth that you get from drinking red or from drinking red wine, so that's good for you. That's not a bad, but uh, recent studies saying that this is red wine is definitely a, a thing. It's worth noting that better oral health also means better heart health. This is due to the fact that plaque in the mouth can enter the bloodstream and clog arteries. So take care of your teeth, take care of your heart, it's all thing. And drink wine, it looks like it's going to help both. So it helps the red wine does contain stuff that is good for the antioxidants and polyphenols and stuff. It helps fight bacteria. All right. I found something here, and I want to review it real fast. I, I talked about this, I think, uh, a year ago, somewhere around there. Let me get a sip of my wine. All right, thank you. I talked about this about a year ago or so, and I want to review it again here quickly. 
and then we're going to talk a little bit about AVAs, not AVA, AVAs, computer culture. Actually, let's talk about AVAs. I'll, I'll talk about this next week. This is All this is is a review. What organic, natural, biodynamic, all that good stuff, what they all mean and what, what you should be looking for. So I'll just save that until next week, and I'm going to get into talking about some AVAs now. And what's what's new on AVAs and what's happening with AVAs. AVAs, American Viticultural Area. All right? That's what an AVA is, American Viticultural Area. Uh, France has their designations. Italy, Spain, everybody has their designations. When you look for these designations, it is good. It's a better thing for the wines and all that. But... America has their designations too. American viticultural areas. That's our designation. Which means basically that it's the thing. Now, let me tell you what TTB says about AVAs. Uh, whoops, this is uh, not what I wanted here. Let me back out of this. And. That's established AVAs. I don't want to look talk about that. There we go. That's what I'm doing. American Viticultural Area, AVA. This is the TTB. Now, TTB regulates it. That's the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. Shorten the TTB. Oh, by the way, if you want to read about wines and all the regulations, you can go to ttb.gov and click on wine. American viticulture area. A viticultural area for American wine is delimited great is a delimited grape growing region, having distinguishing features as described in the Code of Federal Regulations, shortened CFR, Act 27 CFR Part 9, and a name and delineated boundary as established in Part 9 of the regulations. These designations allow vendors and consumers to attribute a given quality, reputation, and other characteristic of a wine made from grapes grown in an area to its geographic origin. Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. Yay, you love it, you know it's good. You don't have to think about it. If you get a Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, you know it's going to be a good wine. Napa Valley is an AVA, so it gives it a distinct thing. There are AVAs within AVAs, but that's an AVA. To continue, the establishment of viticulture areas allows vendors to describe more accurately the origin of their wines to consumers and helps consumers to identify wines they may purchase. Okay, look for AVAs. When, when I had the wine reopen, I would get a large group of people in there. We would have events and stuff. And if I thought about it, I would always ask. I would say, I've got a question for all of you. Show me my hand. How many of you know what an AVA is? And invariably, I would get zero people hold up their hand. Just amazing. Amazing. Nobody knew what it was. So learn it. it it's, it's, it's important. It's something that we look at. 
Okay, to continue. Any interested individual or group may petition for a new or modified ABA through the process outlined in 27 CFR Part 9, American Viticulture Areas. The main AVA petitioning elements include substantive documentation and evidence for the name usage, boundary line chosen, distinguishing features of the area, and a written boundary description with accompanying USGS maps. That's United States Geological Survey maps. To assist persons who wish to petition TTB for the creation of modification of an AVA, TTB has created the AVA Manual for Petitioners. The manual includes guidance on how to prepare a petition as well as tables to help persons to collect and evaluate information on distinguishing features. TTB encourages petitioners to review the manual before drafting or submitting a petition. TTB maintains a list of established AVAs as well as a listing of AVA petitions that have been accepted as perfected, but for which a notice of proposed rulemaking has yet to be published. So there you go. That is the TTB ruling on AVAs. Now, recently they popped in some new ones, uh, new AVAs in uh, different areas. Let me go back over here to this. This is... uh, the um, let me find the right one here. Is that yeah, that's it? Okay, new AVAs are always popping up, and they have new ones. Let's see, where is it? Uh, oh, there's TPTP for that. Oh, here we go. Eight new California. T- AVAs are on the horizon, it says. Eight. California is so saturated with AVAs now, I don't know what they're going to do with eight new ones. But I could say you can have them within it. Okay. Now, the new ones in California, the Alisos Canyon AVA. Uh, This is located in Santa Barbara Barbara County and covers 5,775 acres. This is south of Santa Maria Valley AVA. It's about 20 miles from the Pacific Ocean, so it has the influence of that. That is one new AVA, and I'm not giving you all the details on that. Long Valley Lake AVA. The proposed Long Valley AVA covers 7,605 acres in Northern California's Lake County, which is already broken up into seven AVAs. This will be the easternmost AVA and one of the lowest elevation growing areas in that uh, in that county. Another one, Palos Verde Peninsula AVA. The Palos Verde Peninsula, which covers about 30,000 acres, sits entirely in Los Angeles County. Okay, so there's another great growing region that most people don't think about, but that is an AVA. Next one, Paulsell Valley AVA. This is a proposed 34,155-acre site located in Stanislaus County. Uh, It is uh, distinguished uh, wine-growing areas from the others around it because of the uh, 
topography of the ground, the, the valleys and the hills, and it rises above the San Joaquin Valley, so it puts the elevation up higher than the San Joaquin Valley. Naturalist San Luis Obispo Coast AVA. This is from the Arroyo Grande Valley and Edna Valley, which uh, the other two AVAs in San Luis Obispo County, and those are already known, but a lot of the vineyards stretching on into Pismo Beach and Cambria are fairly new, and this is going to give that area an AVA. And then uh, Tapacha Mountains, I think it's Tapacha, Tapacha Mountains in Kern County. Uh, this is the furthest from the wine uh, growing regions. From other wine, it has tricky interest in setting it from that their 4,000 feet elevation. And uh, there's actually they're saying there's no other elevation AVA in California that's above 3,300. So this is going to be a, a higher one. It's in a mountain pass with the Antelope Valley um, to the east and San Joaquin to the west. And then the last two, Upper Lake Valley AVA. This is north of Clear Lake in Northern California. It sets in Lake County. And it, uh, because of the influence of the lake, it gives you a little bit warmer climate and affects the grape growing there. And then the last one is West Sonoma Coast AVA. It's a 141,846-acre West Sonoma Coast AVA falls entirely within the existing Sonoma Coast AVA. Again, you can have an AVA inside an AVA. So you have Sonoma Coast AVA, and then you get more specific, the West Sonoma Coast AVA. Now, those are brand new. Those are coming up. Those aren't the only ones. There's some other new ones. There's a new one that just was approved in, I believe, Colorado uh, and other areas. But there are AVAs all over the country. You can look up AVAs and, well, don't just punch in AVA because then you'll start getting a girl singer and all sorts of stuff, a, uh, a bracelet that's $3,000 or something that Mike found and all sorts of different things. Uh, currently, there are now 242 established AVAs in the United States. California has the most with 139. Now, this is updated as of the 14th of December, so just, just this last December. I don't know if it includes the seven new ones. There are overlaps. There are multi-state AVAs. There's all sorts of AVAs. They are all over the place. There's a whole bunch of different ones. There are different sizes. They have to be at least 800 acres, I believe is the minimum, 800 acres. They can be extremely large. There's a Mississippi Valley AVA, which is enormous. It runs from... Uh, Michigan all the way down to almost Louisiana, I think, if I remember correctly. But it's just an enormous AVA, thousands of acres. But because of the influence of the Mississippi Valley, that is 
why it's a distinct growing area. So there's lots of them. And if you want to look this up, you can look up all the AVAs. You can go to ttb.gov slash wine slash U.S. AVA or just slash wine and uh, just, you know, once you go to wine, you can go to, or you can do your search engine, go to ttb.gov AVA or you can go to AVAs and do your search engine and follow the TTB or whatever. There's lots of ways you can follow and fall into this. But AVAs aren't important. They're important in the fact that you can actually get a little bit more money for your wine. It's one of the things that wineries like to be. If you've listened to past programs, I'm always asking if a winery is in an AVA because it's something that you actually have to petition it and go through the steps and all that. It could take as long as two years, two, two, three years to be approved if you don't do the paperwork right. Like I just read on that one part of the, the TTB, you know, if you need help with the paperwork, they'll help with the paperwork. But it's still, it's a, a, a process. It's a process to get approved because it has to be checked and all that. Single state AVAs. There are quite a few single-state AVAs that are all self-contained within the state. Uh, California, obviously, is the most. And there's uh, multi-state AVAs. There's uh, quite a few of those also, but these are the ones that cover, like the Appalachian High Country AVA. That is part of North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, and uh, there are others uh, that cover other areas. Let me see if I can't find the, uh, uh, the Mississippi Valley one. Uh, I guess maybe um, Mississippi Delta, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Tennessee. Uh, which is is a big AVA, but there is an American viticulture. If you see a bottle of wine that states on it, Napa, that's a reference to an AVA. Sonoma is a reference to an AVA, as is other things. Like if you see something that says uh, Lodi, that's an AVA, or I'm, I'm sorry, not Lodi. Uh, uh, Atlas Peak is an AVA. Um, Alta Mesa, that's an AVA. That's Lodi there. That's outside of Sacramento. Uh, these are all AVAs, and they are important because those particular areas have unique growing, unique climate, unique soil, all sorts of stuff to make the grapes. There's my Lodi. I knew there was Lodi ABA around here somewhere. Uh, Lodi, Sacramento, and San Joaquin. But these have unique soils, unique climates, unique growing conditions, influences from water, be it the ocean or large lakes, 
or any number of things which will give the grape a distinction, which will give the grape a, a ultimately a different flavor, a different taste in in, uh, in the wine. The nose will be different. The nose will pick up different things around all that. So this is what AVAs do. It's something that you can start looking at, something you can start uh, becoming aware with, uh, aware of. If you are, next time you're out buying a bottle of wine, pick it up and look at the label and look and see if it says any particular area or something. Now, I, I think, and the wineries don't do it, but I think it'd be a good idea that if they are in an AVA and they're using AVA, then they should really put that on it. AVA Madeira or AVA Mendocino or you know whatever. Um, because if they do something like that, then it's going to serve the purpose in the fact that more people will be aware of it and know what they're doing. Like North Coast, the AVA North Coast is a big one. A lot of wineries are involved in that and a lot of areas and stuff like that. But still, North Coast, California, uh, it still gives you an idea of what you're looking for and what you're looking at. And it's you can start looking at the difference. Eagle Foothills out of Idaho, uh, uh, Shawnee Hills out of Illinois. These are all different AVAs that uh, you can become familiar with and you can start looking at. And it gives you an idea of comparing different types of grapes and stuff that way to AVAs and not just to the individual winemakers. So let's, let's all start embracing AVAs in the new year and see what we can come up with and the different types of AVAs. And uh, if you have any questions about it or something, you know, you can always email me or, well, email me or Facebook and uh, I'll be happy to get back with you. I'll check those things all the time. And I think we're done for the night. Well, okay. So you said you can have uh, AVA within an AVA, but why would you? I mean, other than, I mean, is, is the soil or the climate or the it, you know, being next to the body of water that different that you have to have a, de- a separate designation, but it's within another AVA? I mean, what's the point? What's the purpose? Microclimates. I, yeah, I've mentioned microclimates before. Microclimates yeah. make a big difference. Just a little bit of difference in microclimates. Napa is an AVA. Let me let me scroll back up here to, to this paper here, or to this list. Okay. Uh, okay, Napa. Okay, Napa is an AVA. Now, within Napa, there are other AVAs. Okay, now, Napa is an AVA. It's a big area. If someone says, oh, I get this wine from Napa, you say, ooh, you know, you know it's, it's a good area. But within Napa, there are other smaller AVAs, and quite a few of them, actually. Atlas Peak, Calistoga, Charles Valley, Combsville, Diamond Mountain District, Howell Mountain, Los Canaris, Mount Vitor, Oak Node District of Napa Valley, 
Oakville, Rutherford, Spring Mountain District, St. Helena, Stags Leak District, Wild Horse Valley, and Yonkville. Those are all AVAs within Napa, but those are all just little microclimates. Some of them go up to the northern end of Napa Valley. Some of them are in the, in the hills and mountains, hills around Napa. Some are at the very southern end of Napa. So they all create a distinct microclimate. The ones in the southern end of the Napa Valley get an influence from the San Francisco Bay up through the hills there, whereas the ones in the northern end do not have that influence of the cool air. But as they're climbing up the mountains, they do have an influence of the altitude in the mountains. And, you know, it's just all these little microclimates, all these things that do it. So that's why you find AVAs in AVAs. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Uh, what else? I know you were talking about the Mississippi. Um, oh, I found a reference to the Upper Mississippi River Valley AVA. Okay, that's uh, covering. Yeah, covering 29,914 square miles. Yeah, miles now. We're not talking about yeah. acres. I'm reading you some of these other no. <laughs> Yeah, Miles, yeah. I, and, you know, and I've a... always, yeah, I think that's too big. I, I really do. Uh, I, you know, it, it's just, it's so ridiculous to have an AVA that that's large. How can it, you know? It uh covers uh it's it's located along the upper mississippi river and its tributaries in northwest illinois northeast iowa southeast minnesota and southwest wisconsin there you go okay <laughs> it's just it's just too big i mean all right i mean it, you know I, but you know they've got it approved and the, and the wineries in that area say hey you know this yeah. is unique up here in this area because of the cold weather and because of the the soils that we've got from the river and stuff. And I say, okay, we'll make you an AVA. But that's just, I've always huge. thought that that was, yeah, huge, huge. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't think you see the upper Mississippi river Valley on any wine label from any of those States. I, I really don't, I don't hmm. think they, they put it on any of that as an AVA. They might, I've never seen a winery that does. So, so that's something I'm going I'm to start getting a hold of wineries. As we start talking to wineries, we're going to have to ask them if they put their AVA on the bottle. I always ask, are you in an AVA? But I'm going to have mm-hmm. to ask if they say yes. I say, do you designate it on your bottle, on your label? Because that would be an interesting thing to see if they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was trying to find the number of wineries there but I don't see unless it's on a different resource but uh, yeah um, it says it encompasses an area 50 times larger than the Bordeaux region of uh, yeah. France so. yeah. 50 <laughs> times larger yeah. yeah I mean 50 times larger than the Bordeaux region that's almost the size of France I mean it, it just yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, huge huge it is huge, yeah. It is huge, and I, I've all I've always had an issue with that. Whenever I start talking about AVAs, and I mean some of them are really small. Some of them are only the the minimal eighty five, ninety acres and stuff like that. But then you've got that one that I've always said, why? Why is that thing so large? I you know, 
what is yeah. the distinction of that? And well, you know, when you get AVAs, and the purpose of AVAs is simply to have your your distinct growing and all that stuff. Well, when you start getting something right. that large, mm-hmm. how can you know? Uh, I don't know. But hey, who mm-hmm. am I to argue with the government? You know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, but well, let hmm. me. Here, I just found something else. Here, I just while we're talking about AVAs, let me. Um, AVAs are approved by TTB, and uh, as of well, this is an old thing here. I just read you how many were in there. Valley is found in the names of 68 AVAs, and I think I just read the new ones that are coming out there. So it's going to be an even more. It's the most common word used in AVAs. Uh, other popular words, mountain, hill, lake, river, district, county, coast, Santa, creek, and hill highlands. The longest name of an AVA, Antelope Valley of the California High Desert. That is the longest one. Uh, the shortest Lodi. Most words in an AVA is Antelope Valley of the California High Desert, uh, seven words in it. The uh, largest AVA is the Upper Mississippi River Valley. That was established in 2009, 29,114 square miles, or 19,144,160 acres. Oh, my gosh. That just that's just too many, way too many. Smallest AVA established in 1983 is 189 acres. Uh, only about 55 to 60, which is planted in the uh, vine. That's in Mendocino County. And uh, all planted land in Appalachian is owned by the winery Sterlina Vineyards, which was sold to Sterling in 1996. So uh, that's uh, the oldest AVA established AVA is Augusta, established in 1980, located in Missouri. Uh, it's around centered around the city of Augusta, Missouri, and they plant both Vitis vinifera and Vitis labrusca, and that AVA. And the Norton grape is grown there, which is considered America's oldest native grape. The Norton, by the way. And the newest AVAs, I just read you the list there, uh, the newest one popping up. Northernmost, Puget Sound, established in 1995 in Washington. The southernmost AVA is the Texas Hill Country AVA, established in 1991. And it's one of the largest, at over 14,000 square miles, or 9.6 million acres. And the easternmost, Martha's Vineyard. It was established in 1985, and it uh, includes the islands of Martha's Vineyard and Chappaquiddick Island, and covers 64,000 acres. So, little little stuff on AVAs there. But interesting thing, AVAs are interesting. If you know, if y'all want to delve into AVAs and all that, it's it's really uh, some fun stuff to learn about. And you know, then when anybody asks you, do you know what an AVA is? You can raise your hand and say, yeah, I do, I do, I do. And uh, yeah. impress, impress everyone. So, so um, 
Oh, uh, according to AmericanWineryGuide.com, uh, Upper Mississippi River Valley AVA has uh, 68 wineries. Oh, well, that's quite a few, actually. Yeah, I mean, so, so yeah. yeah, but not like not to make up for yeah. 19 million acres or. That's right, 19 million plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. oh my gosh, that's it. Uh, I, I've always, yeah. always thought that was way big. Always, always thought that was big. And, you know, and I, I just one day when I am not doing something else on the computer or surfing around or doing something, I'm going to think about it. And I'm going to look up all the information on that AVA just to see where the borders are and see what what is distinct about it. Because I, I don't know. I, I can't believe it's that distinct. Yeah. 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 So vast. It is. It's, it's, it's so enormous. Hmm. Um, well, I uh, guess we will uh, close out the show for this evening. It's uh, eight or nine minutes past the hour, eight o'clock. Uh, next week again, you're gonna. Um, we'll cover organic, uh, biodynamic. Yeah, we'll actually cover, uh, cover the, the labels of different yeah. things, what what they all mean mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I. Uh, it's just uh, one of the things, and maybe talk a little bit more about it instead of just highlighting what each is. We'll go into each one a little bit more, and uh, you know, I'll review because we've talked about all this stuff in the past. But maybe a little bit more in in, in a review on all of these uh, sulfite-free wines, environmentally friendly wines, uh, vegan, you know, natural, all this stuff. We'll, we'll talk about that and. Because the big movement now with the with the sustainability, um, I, I heard a great line the other day, and I always use it whenever I can. Is uh, the the comment is is this uh, gluten is is this gluten free? And my response is now. I spent four years in the Army and a year in Vietnam so I can make all gluten-free. So, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about these things next week. and Bring that up next week, yeah. yeah. <laughs> next Thursday. <laughs> next um, Thursday. And that will be January the 10th. And uh, okay. we'll, we'll be back here on uh, Blog Talk Radio and Thank you to everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you all next week. And don't forget, uh, what was um, National Spaghetti Day tomorrow? Woohoo! National Spaghetti Day tomorrow, yeah. So dig out the pasta. Yeah. <laughs> and the red wine. Enjoy it. Yes. Enjoy it. Thank you for tuning and, uh, in. See you next week. Have a great week. Yep. Thanks, for, thanks again. See ya. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.